and welcome to Hitting Play. I am Scott, and at long last, Star Wars Episode 7 The Force Awakens has hit theaters. Now, Sean and I saw it on opening night, and we wanted to capture our immediate reaction to the movie. So the episode you are about to hear is our questions and initial thoughts recorded on our way to and from the theater. And just to give you a few warnings, the audio is a lower quality than our regular episodes. Uh, as you can imagine, the Kia Sorento is not the ideal recording studio. So just think of us as two higher-pitched Kylo Rens discussing the movie, and that might help. Also, more importantly, this discussion contains spoilers and major plot points, so make sure you see the movie before you listen. And just so you know, our next real episode of the podcast will be a full discussion of the movie. Okay, so we start as Sean and I head to the movies. Okay, it is December 18th, 2015 at 7.58pm and we are heading to the movies to see Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Woohoo! Star Wars. Looking forward to it. Me too. Okay, so this will be the last time in our lives where we have not seen this movie. So what are you thinking going into it? What are your expectations? Well, you know, Scott, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. And um, looking at the, the trailer so far, I think we talked about this in a previous episode of Hitting Play, where um, I was a little concerned when I saw initially that it was J.J. Abrams directing A Force Awakens. Now, I like J.J. Abrams, but I was a little concerned about when I first saw Star Trek because it was so different, and he did take you know a lot of liberties with the characters and with the especially the set designs and things like that. So my first thoughts were, you know, I hope it doesn't go that direction. Uh, this is back before the first trailers came out last year, so I was a little worried about that. And you know, even with Star Trek, he really pulled that out, and I was really impressed that he made it like a. And he knows the fans basically, yeah. um, so that's why I feel more confident, especially after seeing the trailers. I mean, I'm totally convinced this is going to be awesome. You know, like I said, for the Star Trek, he really knows the fans because he didn't try to say this is the way Star Trek is now. He made it an alternate universe of the Star Trek universe that Gene Roddenberry conceived. So he made an, an offshoot of that, not so much its own thing. And with Star Wars Episode Seven, it really looks like he, he's really paying attention to the fans again and knows what the fans want, and it's not going to deviate too far from... George Lucas's original intent of the the first trilogy. You know, that being said, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I almost wish that the extended universe of Star Wars, I did read some of that and know about it, the all the books and the, the history of the New Republic and the expanded universe. I almost wish that didn't exist so I can go in with a clean slate of not knowing what happened after Endor, basically. Yeah. Because I am going to have that kind of in the back of my mind, like some of the stories I, I know and just the, the history there, but um, I really think it's going to be an excellent movie, and I'm looking forward to it. An excellent continuation of the series. Uh, now, there's a lot of mystery, obviously, at, to this point. We don't know about Luke Skywalker. We don't know about this uh, Snoke. So we don't know who he is, and, uh, of course, we know the, the Reddit theory that's been going around for a while on the Internet about Jar Jar Binks <laughs> making a comeback in this movie. So what, what do you think we're going to get out of this? Do you think we're going to get a, a complete flushed-out story here or a complete reveal, or is this going to be a, a mystery like uh, Luke and his father was throughout the trilogy? You know, I, I really that's my biggest concern about the story and the trailers I've seen so far, is I, I really hope... And, 
so my concern is that Luke Skywalker is not going to be much in the film, or in the film that much, I should say. Just because he's not in the poster, they're keeping it mis- a mystery, and I hope that J.J. Abrams and the writers really did that on purpose, and he has a, a significant part in the film. I hope it's not like a five-minute you know, reveal at the end of Luke Skywalker, and you have to, oh, we're going to... Do more in Episode Eight. Right, yeah. That would really bother me, I think. So I hope there's just some kind of flashy, oh my God, type of moment when we first see him, and I hope it's pretty early in the movie. Um, that's my only real concern. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the continuation. I've, I've read a few of the I've talked about personally, uh, the novels that came out, the non, the, the now canon novels. One was called Lost Stars, which is very good. We talked about the Battle of Jakku and some events before that. And, of course, there was one that was called Aftermath, which came out in the past few months. I've listened to them, actually, on audiobooks. And they really give a lot of back... Not giving anything away, but a lot of good background of what happened immediately after Battle of Endor. And the, okay. the year or so after the Battle of Endor. Without giving anything away. So, I'm glad they're continuing that philosophy of really getting canon authors to write these novels. And not just go off on their own tangents with characters, but really adding to the whole story. I think that, you know, anybody who has stock in Disney, they're going to make a mint. I think they already have in the first day. I haven't seen any real numbers, but this is huge. Star Wars is huge right now, and and if we know Force Awakens is going to do well, it's going to add on to the other stories. And I'm more excited about this than nervous about any particular uh, factor. And now, have you stayed off the Internet as I have, trying to avoid spoilers? I have. Yeah, I definitely have. I've seen very few spoilers for the movie. I actually no spoilers, but very few numbers at all. The only thing I saw that and don't mention it if you <laughs> don't no, mention no, any it's spoilers. Just, it's about money. It's, it's about how much the movie made. They said it made like fifty million the first day or something like that, which is ridiculous. And that's the only thing I saw. No spoilers. No details about anything else. I saw one crazy thing on Twitter that I think people, somebody was just trying to use to troll, so uh, I won't share that. Uh, I hope it's not true. I don't think it is. Uh, the only thing I did was I looked down at the Boston Globe, and I saw that it got a three-and-a-half star review, and that's all. I did not read the review beyond that. That was fine. That's all I needed to know. Paul told me that out of 149 critics, 144 gave it a positive review, and somebody else had told me that they heard through a friend that, uh, you know, it was amazing, so... Even if the Jar Jar Binks thing is true, which I highly doubt, or, you know, I, I really don't think there's going to be anything disappointing. Because if there was, I think that would affect people's opinion of the movie. Yeah, and it would really uh, destroy the confidence in any future movies, just like the prequels did, honestly. People went into, I remember I was there at midnight when um, the Phantom Menace opened up, and actually the second one, too, Attack of the Clones, I was there um, at the midnight showing, and people were excited about the Phantom Menace, and it really messed up the rest of that prequel. And, you know, the movies weren't that great, I know. But still, it, it ruined the whole momentum of what they had built for the rest of the two movies in that series. Now, Scott, which which character are you looking forward to seeing the most, do you think? Well, it's going to be Luke Skywalker, I think, at this point. Yeah. Other than the obvious, I'd like to see Admiral Akbar. That was uh, always a, a favorite of mine as a, as a young kid, so... Uh, It'd be funny to see him as a, a 30-year-older Mon Calamari and his experience in uh, some of the battles, how they come into play here. Yeah. If he can still sense a trap just as well as he could 30 years ago. I think what we've seen of Harrison Ford's portrayal of Han Solo has been excellent so far, um, in the trailers at least, of very small snippets we've gotten. Finn, I think, is the newest character I'm looking forward to the most, to see what he's all about. Yeah, and, and of course Luke Skywalker, I hope, is there. Is there anything, and I talked about my worries about the movie, is there anything you're worried about 
in particular coming to fruition? Uh, character deaths, I think, was would, yeah. would be my top concern. I, I don't know how long anybody signed for. That's obviously not any research that I've done because I, I don't want to know anything uh, as far as, you know, sometimes you can tell, well, if they're signed on for six pictures, then, uh, you know, they're probably not going to be killed off unless they're Alec Guinness, you know, and they're killed off in the first movie and come back as spirits for the rest of them. But uh, that's kind of a concern because you really don't know which way they're going to go with it. As we've talked about in previous episodes, like Paul was saying, this is supposed to be the passing of the torch to this new cast of characters from the old trilogy, but you wonder how many are going to stick around at least a little bit. You know, maybe some of the older characters will have cameos in future movies. They maybe will play a big role. Who knows at this point? Yeah, you would think that they would at least play some kind of supporting role, at least some of the characters. I can't imagine them killing off the entire run of uh, <laughs> um, the original trilogy characters. I know, I know that Harrison Ford, maybe his, his, his uh, opinion has changed in the past years, but he was not ever very happy with playing Han Solo, especially through the first original trilogy. Again, that was 30 years ago, so maybe now he doesn't mind it. Obviously, he's playing it in this movie, but that's when I could see them killing off, possibly... Uh, if he didn't want to continue, or Chewbacca, I hate to say it. I've heard a couple rumors, nothing substantial or have any proof behind it, that that was a, a possible character they would kill off. Um, and actually flows kind of with the expanded universe, even though this movie has not anything to do with the expanded universe. But if you ever read the books, Chewbacca died before any other major character in the expanded universe. So I guess we'll have to see. If Jar Jar Binks, I think that would be a great, great thing if he came into the movie. <laughs> You know, if you haven't read it, dear listener, there's a great, I don't even know who what the Reddit user is, but if you search Reddit for Jar Jar, or there's tons of YouTube videos about it, the Jar Jar Binks Sith Theory, and what the Scott was alluding to, and part of me, like I said, hope it comes true. I know it won't, because it's already, actually, J.J. Abrams said there will be no Jar Jar Binks in this movie, I believe, or somebody, you know, associated with the film. Yeah. But, in a nutshell, the Jar Jar Binks Theory is that Jar Jar, from the Phantom Menace on, is the Sith Lord even above Palpatine, and was really, you know, playing the puppet master from the back. And the Reddit user really goes through some really in-depth proofs, his proofs, of how this is so, um, and how Jar Jar really manipulated everyone to get his own way. So it was really quite funny. I think that's really the only thing he could do to save that character now, is to give him something, some kind of role like that, because it was such a stupid move on uh, George Lucas's view uh, when he did that. Now, what, Scott, what do you think about the movie being rated PG-13? Well, just just to go back for a second, the, the Reddit user is Lumpawaru. That's it, Because yeah. that's, <laughs> that's Chewbacca's father in the holiday special, oh, yeah. so I could never forget that. But yeah, the PG-13 rating, that's something Paul and I had been talking about in previous episodes. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things, the older trilogy, the original trilogy, probably would have had some PG-13 ratings, yeah. just because of dark and scary images and the the human toll. You know, the, these aren't like The Phantom Menace where, you know, wisecracking robots are getting cut down by lightsabers. These are, you know, actual human beings getting fired upon and expiring, presumably. And uh, even if you do that bloodlessly, it's still, you know, going to get you a PG-13 rating, just just for the human toll, that, that type of violence. And I don't know if you've been following this, but they really took a long time to decide what this rating was to MPAA. Oh, yeah. To come out with a rating for this movie. It didn't come out, actually, until like a couple of weeks ago. So that's pretty late in before the release. So I really think, you know, I, I'm sure their target audience is people in their 30s and 40s who saw the original Star Wars trilogy when they were kids at this point. But I'm sure they want that kids, young kids market under 13 market in there also. Oh, yeah. 
So they were, I'm sure they were pushing to, you know, whatever lobbying they could have done to get this to be a PG movie. You know, it's funny, I think of Attack of the Clones, which had a lot of violence in it. Again, most of it was against robots, so I guess that's where they kind of draw the line. Yeah. And we'll have to see how the violence compares to in Force Awakens. But that was rated PG, and that had a, a lot of war-type violence in it. Yeah. You know, obviously, the only other PG-13 um, Star Wars movie we've had is Revenge of the Sith, for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, you hack somebody up, arms and legs off. And Children really... getting killed. Yeah, well, of... yeah. Yeah, I guess you can't have that. There was so. a, lot of, a lot of bad stuff. So I think they're, uh, my opinion is they were really pushing for a PG. MPAs couldn't do it. It was just something was just too far to have that rating, so that's why you have the PG-13. And, and they'll be fine. I, I wasn't, wasn't even the Avengers PG-13. So, yeah. yeah, and and kids are you know dressing up like Iron Man on Halloween, yeah. and you know Captain America backpacks and Hulk action figures. So I think even with a PG thirteen rating nowadays, you can still be considered a, an an all ages family movie. I put that in quotes. Like a seven year old can't just walk in and yeah. buy a ticket uh, without a parent being there anyway. But any kid would do that anyway. Have a parent with them to see any of these movies. So I, I don't really see a difference between PG and PG thirteen nowadays. Yeah, it's just. It's there's not much of a difference, really. You know, my children, I have a son who's 12, and he is not going to it tonight. And he might be in the future. If I go tonight, that's why I wanted to go first and see that everything is okay, and I think he can handle it, which I'm sure he can. But maybe he'll be going, because I'm sure this movie's going to be in theater for quite a long time for some reason. Oh, yeah. So I don't think it's going to be missing any chances to see Force Awakens. They're going to milk this cow as much as they can. You can quote me on that. It's a good quote. <laughs> Put in the poster. Disney. They're going to milk this bantha. We're going to milk this Bantha for all the blue milk they can get out of it. And we've seen that already with the merchandising and everything else. So, again, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm really hoping that there's no nothing that can disappoint. I'm really hoping there's no huge cliffhangers that carry over. I just hope it's kind of like a... The New Hope, that ended, and it didn't end in any major cliffhangers. Empire Strikes Back obviously did. The New Hope was just like, oh, okay, they didn't know if they're making a second movie. They you know, thought it wasn't in the cards, but I hope it kind of ends on that sort of note rather than a, oh, you have to wait another year now, year and a half, two years to see episode eight. That would bother me. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's already been confirmed that there is no after credit scene. I don't know if you saw that. J.J. Abrams yep. did confirm that. So there's going to be none of that Marvel-esque, which I do like, but it's not Star Wars. And that's what kind of gives me confidence that J.J.'s doing the right thing, that there is no after credits or something you have to wait around for type of scene which is good. All right, now, your kids do know that you're going to see the movie without them? Yeah, they are. And how'd they take that? Not well. <laughs> it's a sore spot, definitely. You know, I have a 12-year-old and a almost 10-year-old in a couple days, and my daughter is six and a half. And uh, the two boys are the ones that are most interested in going, and I just couldn't justify it. My wife and I can't justify it, bringing them without seeing it first. And then they're not happy. I mean, but what are you going to do? Do, do you mind uh, telling the listening audience the ominous threat that your son just issued you on the way out? Oh, yeah. He issued a threat, basically, <laughs> that, you know, I would pay for not letting him go. Um, he's all worth it. There's nothing you can really do, but, you know, probably not. But he, he said that. That's actually not the first time he said that to me. He said I'll pay for, you know, not letting him uh, attend the movie tonight, but, you know. Wow, this may be your only viewing. This might, this might be. <laughs> I'm actually hoping I can bring them because, you know, of course I want to see it again. That's good uh, justification for seeing the movie again, bringing the kids. You know, I fully, in this day of digital media, I fully expect the movie to be out by February anyway on DVD and, and streaming, so I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I'll have it on my Apple TV before I know it at this point, which is great. I can't wait for that, actually. 
All right, so do you have any final words before seeing this movie for the very first time? I, I'm just, uh, we'll see what happens when we come on next. I'm, uh, again, very excited, a little apprehensive, and I'm, I just hope there's no major disappointments when we come out with good feelings about the whole thing. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing so many of these scenes in their entirety, just going over the trailers for hours and hours and hours on end. We're just seeing these small clips of these battles and these locations. I just would like to see a lot of these, you know, side stories just completely seen from start to finish. Uh, we can finally get some of these questions answered. Uh, I don't expect everything being answered. I would not be surprised if they're really, you know, making sure that this is a cohesive trilogy, that there are still going to be some mysteries left. But, yeah, we'll see. All right. We're going to, uh, what is it, Heritage Theater in Sandwich, Massachusetts? Sandwich, Massachusetts is a real town. It's not just a uh, a joke name that they used in the uh, season finale of Review this year. Yes, very actually a very affluent type of town in Cape Cod, with a very small theater and hopefully a small crowd tonight. But stadium seating in 3D also. You know, I, it's funny to say that, Scott. I bought these tickets on uh, what day was it? Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. I bought the tickets to this. Came to the theater because this is a, a independent theater heritage. It's not a Hoyts or anything. So when I came into the theater, you know, I had to, it's the kind of thing where you actually had to come physically in and buy the tickets. I couldn't buy them online or over the phone. They didn't do that because it's so small. The website looks like it was made in 1995 and stayed that same way since. They seem to be issued on some sort of cracker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I came in and I asked the kid when I bought the tickets Wednesday afternoon what the numbers are like so far. And basically told me, believe it or not, it's sold out already for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, The Force Awakens. But I asked him, well, how many for this show at 9 o'clock on a, the opening, really the opening day of the movie? And at that point, 11 people had purchased tickets so far. Oh, wow. Now, is this 3D? This is not the 3D version, no. I, you know, I might see it in 3D down the road. Yeah. I mean, we're pulling into the theater right now, and it is pretty, this is the most I've seen this theater packed, honestly. I can't think of any other movies that are playing right now that would draw as much attention. So I'm assuming this is mostly for Star Wars. The last time I was here was to see Spider-Man 2. All right, let's see it. Okay, so now we watch the movie. We almost get kicked out of the theater. You'll hear a little bit more about that later. And when it ends, we get up, we walk out into the parking lot, and we enter the car, not having exchanged one word about the movie. So now we continue immediately as we leave the theater parking lot. Okay, we are back. Just got out of the theater. Have not exchanged any words since our walk out, so, uh... Alright, that was a lot to take in. Yeah, that is definitely, um... I have a lot of mixed emotions and feelings right now. <laughs> I guess my first thing I want to say is... It was a very good Star Wars movie for what it was. And what I mean by that is I personally don't think it should have been called Star Wars Episode 7. This is a whole new generation, a whole new storyline. It's basically, in my opinion, it was a new hope redone. A lot of it was. It was the whole original trilogy redone. You can almost look at it as a love letter to the entire original trilogy. There were so many moments that parallel moments from the uh, original trilogy. It was amazing. Oh yeah, definitely. It was it was good. You know, I don't know how much we want to go into analysis right now of it. And I don't like to... You know, I guess I'm the half-class entity sort of person. You know, there were some parts I took issue with, I guess you could say. 
It definitely wasn't the first trilogy. And I, I am fully convinced right now that that's a one-of-a-kind thing that will never be replaced, as we know. But what do you think, Scott? What are your, I want to hear your first initial thoughts. All right, well, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was beautifully done. Oh, my goodness. Some of the, the shots, some of the sequences. Oh, yeah. The no design, doubt. I mean, so beautiful. Oh, what? I mean, where to begin? I mean... Just the, I think a lot of what Paul and I thought going into this is that Finn was going to be the next Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be an interesting twist, is that it was going to be a stormtrooper now that leaves and becomes a Jedi. And we figured Rey was going to have some role in the story. But we figured that Finn was going to be the Force-sensitive person. He's in the posters holding the lightsaber. We saw him in the trailers holding the lightsaber. We figured it was going to be him holding that weapon, being kind of like the the heir to that legacy of of Jedi's. But now it seems as though it's Rey. I did read that Han Solo died on Twitter. I I will be blocking that account. I wasn't sure if that was just somebody trying to mess with people. So uh, that kind of took that initial shock away. I don't know if it would be suitable for your sons. Uh, The fact that your son threatened you before you left... And uh, now seeing what happens in the movie, I think maybe you should wait a long, long time before your kids see it. Yeah, and I the only thing I can hope <laughs> is that there is a lot, and I, I'm assuming this is Disney's plan, LucasArts' plan, is that there's a lot of filler information between Turn of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Because there was a lot there that wasn't explained and was touched on in The Force Awakens, and obviously probably won't be touched on much, maybe will be, in the, the Episode 8 and 9. Yeah, I mean, it, I have to agree with you. It was beautifully done. It was a, a very good movie. Oh, yeah. It was a very good Star Wars movie. They did it to me, and I, I, we said this before, that they only show Mark Hamill's only that movie for a minute and a half. If and that. If that, and that makes me insane. <laughs> he was in one scene, and, you know, I did see on somewhere that they leaked a, some footage of him dressed up as a Jedi, and it was, like, spot on. So yeah. that was that was definitely there. Uh, at the end of the movie, he's in the very no words are spoken by Mark Hamill, Skywalker, in the film. Very par- very powerful moment, though. Yeah, yeah, very powerful moment for what's going to be coming in the future. You know, like I said, I really hope there's a lot movies, filler information, books, TV series from the time of the end of Return of Jedi to uh, Force Awakens, because there is a lot there to cover. They did take some from the Expanded Universe, if you're a fan of the Expanded Universe. You know, basically, that Leia and Han had a son, and that is Kylo Ren, whose name was Ben, Ben Solo. And it's great performance. I mean, the performance of the acting was fantastic in this movie. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. Uh, I think that was the best part of it. You know, it, it's a totally different story. It's a totally different experience. It's going to take me a little bit of time. I'm going to have to see it a couple more times to be able to fully digest everything and, and kind of get my mind around it. And like I said, it wasn't bad. It was it was good. And I don't know what I should be expecting. I guess I expected more Leia, Han, Luke. And it, it's not what it is. It's a totally separate trilogy from the prequels, from the original trilogy. It's, it's different, which isn't bad. It's a good thing. It is the passing of the torch that we assumed it would be. Yeah, it is. It's definitely, you know, it's definitely the passing of the torch. We definitely see Rey taking on the role of the Jedi. And I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be under Luke's tutelage and, and training as, as, as his Padawan. You know, if he chooses to go that way, kind of, Luke's going to be the Yoda character at this point. 
you know, Kyle Ren, and we're assuming is still alive, and is going for the Sith. No Han Solo body, either. No, that's true. I mean, he was impaled by a lightsaber, so I'm assuming he's dead. And I, I kind of, like I said, I kind of saw that coming. I, I couldn't see Harrison Ford doing three more Star Wars films, which is fine. It was a very emotional scene when he was killed by his son. Better than Captain Kirk's death. Uh, but yeah, it, it, was, it was excellent. You know, I, I wish, and again, this is where the expanded, and I say expanded universe, I, I mean the, the canon information that will be coming out, I'm sure, in books and whatnot, will really fill in these gaps, but there wasn't a lot of talk about the Republic, what was going on with the Republic, the minor details, and um, when the super weapon uh, Star Killer base went off. I guess you could say it. I'm assuming it destroyed the re- the Republic, or <laughs> it wasn't really clear what it destroyed the first time it, it fired. We know it destroyed a number of planets. If that was the entirety of the Republic, and the Republic is gone now, and just the Resistance, that's a a big question. Yeah, it was a Coruscant-like planet, but then when they mentioned the name of the system, I, I forget now offhand, but I I. I tend not to believe that that was Coruscant. That wasn't the capital of the Republic. Yeah, well, in some of the additional materials, I believe in Aftermath, specifically, the book, the Star Wars Aftermath, the new capital of the New Republic, after the Return of the Jedi, when it was established, was actually Chandrilla. Oh, okay. And that's where the Senate was established again. I'm assuming that that was Chandrilla. I don't think it was Coruscant. Okay, so it was the capital of the Republic, though. I'm guessing. You know, they didn't really say what it was. That weapon was kind of ominous what it did. It fired a big bolt out of it, and it was a super weapon, like a, you know, a, a Death Star-type weapon. Pa- Paul was talking in an earlier episode about how it had the potential of destroying systems, and we assumed that because it was called the Star Killer, it would destroy the star at the center of a system and destroy all the planets around it. But uh, kind of an interesting twist that it would actually draw its energy from a star, and that's how it was a star killer, like a giant solar capacitor. Yeah. So we have to assume that it destroyed a good part of the Republic leadership at this point. And I think that's where it's going to go with 8 and 9 also. I could see a lot more of, again, Kylo Ren. And keep in mind that the one thing that, um, was it Adam Driver? That's the actor? Yes. You could tell that he was not a Sith. Power Ren is not a Sith. I think that's, I think that's been obvious and that's been stated before that he's a Knights of Ren or whatever that organization is. But very sloppy. I um, mean, he definitely is a Force user as we you could see. He wants to be Darth Vader. He wants to look to his grandfather. I mean, one good thing is, and I hate to go back to the prequels, <laughs> but, um, he does look a lot like Hating Christensen in some ways. Maybe it was just the, the vibe he was putting out during his performance. Uh, I don't know if you got that either. No, I didn't get that vibe at all. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm talking Hating Christensen more in um, Revenge of the Sith when he was Darth Vader, okay? But, you know, definitely not a Sith, but I could see him going that way. I think they're going to bring out more with Rey's background, too, because there has to be more there. Well, they left the whole mystery of her family completely open still. I- exactly. Who is she? Is she a relative of the, the Solos? Is she Luke's daughter? You know, I don't know. It seems like, this is my impression, that she, when she, obviously she was left on Jakku when she was young. We saw that in the movie. Yep. It seems to me that she had some force training or Jedi training before she was left. And the reason I say that is two scenes, well, a couple scenes in particular, 
the most apparent scene is when she pulled the mind trick on the stormtrooper. How would she know how to do that? You know, it, she's had to, maybe it was a repressed memory that came back, but to me it's something that she saw being done or had been done when she was young by someone who was training her, whether it be Luke or another Jedi or somebody. She, she just didn't pull it out of a hat and, and knew how to do the Jedi mind trick. Well, she heard the stories of him because she knew that she knew of the Jedi, but thought that everything was a myth, like Luke Skywalker was a myth. Yeah, and I just think that it's too convenient. Yeah. The fact that she also had, you know, obvious force abilities not too long after she realized that she could do these things was kind of so. It kind of it reminds me of someone again who was abandoned, who had a some force training or some ability when they were very young and then repressed it or forgot about it until and then it kind of just came back to her obviously she was living on Jakku by herself she you know she had to survive so it's almost like somebody who you know a child who was is kidnapped let's say or abandoned you know they might later in life have memories or some things come back to them you know of, of their previous of their youth or their previous life I think that's what we're going to see here. I think that's going to be the situation. And I mean, that's, that's my theory right now. Just because, and that's the way I have to kind of justify it to myself, because if, it, if it's justified or it's put out there as, oh, no, she just knew how to do this because she has the force, I don't buy it. So I have to justify it that way that she had previous experience and training in the force, so, uh, somewhat. Yeah, it came pretty easy, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. On a lighter note, uh, we... We got to read the crawl quite easily. They uh, they even stopped it for us so we could uh, make sure we actually read it all. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> when you see the Star Wars crawl, you want to see it from the moment that Star Wars flashed on the screen and not have it interrupted at all. All right, so explain what happened. So we were, you know, everybody was cheering when Star Wars came up on the screen. It did normal Star Wars. You see the crawl, Episode Seven start going up. Ooh, Skywalker has vanished is rolling up. Middle of the first paragraph, people are taking pictures with their smartphones off the screen. Flash pictures. Flash pictures. <laughs> we get, you know, through that first paragraph and everything stops. Screen stops, projectors put on pause, no sound, no nothing. And we hear the little door open up there and the projectionists very irately say that <laughs> you will empty the theater if there's any more pictures taken. Empty the theater! Yeah. I could lose my life! Which I ain't no projectionist had licenses, so maybe it's a theater's license to show movies. I don't know. It kind of was a damper on the whole thing. And you kept the you kept the pause for a good, you know, 20, 30 seconds. So it was just a funny old thing, and everybody behaved after that. Um, well, one guy took his phone out again and got yelled at. Oh yeah, there was they were working around the theater, the management, because yeah, right behind us, someone took out their phone to look at something, and you could see it flash up. And there was a guy there in a heartbeat, very loudly. Yeah. Know, like, ah, turn off your cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm still processing a lot of this. I mean, like I said, the acting was phenomenal. The, the display, the sets, the, everything else, the way it was created was phenomenal. The story, I think, is, is also good. It just was, again, very reminiscent of A New Hope to me. And seemed, I hate to say this, but it seemed to me it'd be a little rushed. And that's just maybe the, the pacing they did at Star Wars. And I guess if I look back, A New Hope was rushed too. So I guess I can't really say too much about that. But it didn't feel like two hours plus. It didn't seem like definitely two hours rushed. I'm talking about the story was rushed. You know, they're here, they're there. I was starting to kind of feel it when 
Ray and Jakku, you know, you have Ray and Finn meeting up, and I was like, uh-oh, I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> I'm like, maybe they'll slow us down a little bit. And then it just kind of picked up again when they found out about Starkiller Base. Um, they got details from Finn about Starkiller Base, and all of a sudden they have a plan to destroy, you know, this, this section of the base that would destroy the planet, and they're sending people to do it, and I'm like, oh, man, that's like, this is just it's a little too fast for me. I mean, this was a little too fast. I would have almost liked to see Dark Killer Base last until the next movie, in some respect. You know, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done to slow it down, but I've been burned by, by the prequels of being too fast, as I mentioned before. Yeah. So I, I just had that kind of feeling throughout the movie. Again, I'm going to state this again, and I was a, I'm being a dead horse here, but I really hope, and I, I think this is probably their plan, that they're going to, you know, now that they've given us this movie, they're going to throw a tons and tons of additional content to, to fill in the middle gaps that will explain everything that needs to be explained. Yeah, and Paul was talking about them working on a prequel, talking about how they secured the Death Star plans in another movie. Yep. Uh, if you look at this movie as a setup of the action now that we're going to see. You know, it's like yeah. uh, an introduction to the characters, uh, a little bit of an origin story for some of them, and just setting up the rest of the movies from here on out as they plan on putting them out for, you know, a, every year for the foreseeable future. As it serves in that capacity, you know, I think it was done very well. Yeah, this is definitely, you know, my opinion is changing as I'm thinking about it and talking about it. This is definitely a franchise builder right here. This is the cornerstone of this new franchise. Everything is going to be based on this. The rest of the movies. I think they're even talking about like a Han Solo TV series when he was younger or movies. So, I mean, Disney is taking full reins on this and is going to go and, and go full bore on this. And, yeah, it is a good start for that. You know, I, I think, you, like I did, you, you, you kind of have to separate it from the original trilogy and the prequels a little bit because it is it is different so i guess that makes my appreciation for the original trilogy greater i'm i'm guessing <laughs> but it's definitely a different beast and it's the star of something i look forward to reading reviews now honestly you know am i sad that han solo's dead yeah but not really presumably dead presumably dead but not really you know what i mean it, it was a fitting end for the character I think, and so I thought I'd be more upset about that, but I'm not, because I could see that, like you said, the great things are going to happen with these future characters. Yeah, I mean, that's, it was it was excellent. I mean, what would, Scott, what would you give it for a rating? Uh, I would give what I saw on the paper, three and a half stars. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. This is something I would definitely want to watch over and over again. Yeah, it's definitely a fair rating for Episode 7. You know, how, how would you rate it with in the rest of the movies. I'm looking at episodes one through six. Wow. Okay, well, I mean, I, I, I go back and forth when it comes to A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, those have to be at the top. Uh, it, it would be really hard for me to put this at the very top. This might be... Uh, man, it, this might be after those, to be honest with you. I, I mean, Return of the Jedi was great, but this might be on par with Return of the Jedi. I, I mean, that's just my initial reaction. Maybe a little lower. Maybe this would be the fourth. This is definitely better than any of the prequels, though. I oh, mean, yeah. I enjoyed this thoroughly. It, it, at best, I would say the third best. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely better than the prequels. And the prequels were, again, a different beast of their of their own. Personally, I would... You know, I'm a big fan of Return of the Jedi. It's always been my favorite. And that's still just tough. <laughs> it's on par with, with that. It's on par with the best of the original trilogy, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean... 
it, it's not, I'm not going to say it's better than Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. Like I said, it made me f- think of and it made me feel like I was watching A New Hope. So I guess I'm par with that. Yeah, between New Hope and Re- Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, it's it is it's definitely, yeah, it, it, I'm... I gotta get my thoughts together, but... <laughs> well, you can see, like, he definitely... Uh, like you said, it was a whole new story. These are all, all new people, yeah. all new settings, uh, but he was trying to invoke all of those memories. I mean, just little things like Ray crawling on the on the side of the uh, the interior of of the Starkiller base as the, as the stormtroopers walk by, just making us remember Obi-Wan climbing around the Death Star. Uh, I mean, there were scenes like Kylo Ren trying to summon the the lightsaber stuck in the snow, like in uh, yeah. Empire Strikes Back. I, there was a million scenes like that, and then the you know the final explosion, just like the the final Death Star. Uh, I mean, there were so many things that even though it was a completely different story, that uh, reminded us of what we were watching constantly. Yeah, there was very very subtle things. Um, I think one of my favorites was very subtle, just on the Millennium Falcon. And that's another backstory, too, another thing that bothered me. Now there's going to be, I'm sure, a backstory of how that happened. But anyway, um, just when uh, Finn was uh, a gunner on the Millennium Falcon, and you saw the original displays from uh, A New Hope, yeah. even though they're obviously outdated now, and they could have done some kind of holographic thing or something, but they chose not to. They put the original, you know, kind of Atari-ish looking displays when they were tracking TIE fighters, which was awesome. I mean, that was fantastic that they kept out that detail in there. And I think that's where it kind of separates from even... And even the buttons, you know, you could tell that the Millennium Falcon was an older ship. But even every other ship you saw was pretty reminiscent of the original trilogy. Yeah. Unlike, I think, and that's something that bothered me also about the um, prequels, was everything was too sleek and too nice, I guess you can say. Shit, I'm talking about technology-wise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely... Very interesting use of all this homages to the uh, original trilogy. And again, these, these points will be filled in. Why was Han a smuggler again? What happened between him and Leia? What happened with the, the Jedi and the Luke? All these things I'm sure will be answered. And that kind of gets me excited for other content they'll put out. Again, I was I was disappointed that Luke was only in there for a minute and a half. <laughs> that really bothered me. The whole map thing was kind of interesting too. You know, why they had that map now, and why R2 just happened to wake up at the very end, I, I don't know. Just, the whole Force Awakens. I, I guess so, yeah. Okay. J.J. <laughs> Abrams did an excellent job, I gotta say. He really kept it consistent and to the uh, universe of Star Wars. I Character-wise, like I said, the acting was fantastic. I really liked the character of, of Finn, and I'll tell you, I really liked the character of Kylo Ren. Did you? Yeah, I did. I, I think that there was, he is an, Adam Driver is an excellent actor, and I thought that was really, really well done what he did, because even when he killed his father, I didn't know which way that was going to go for a minute there. Yeah, it's very conflicted, very tortured soul, but you, yeah, he was teetering at that moment, and you really thought that, okay, maybe they are going to turn him, and they are going to bring him home or something. Yeah, I thought that was a definite possibility, so, you know, he definitely... The acting is, is superb, and did a great job with that. And I, probably, yeah, my favorite. I'd like to see where that goes. Definitely the Anakin type character. Yeah, but done right. But done right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he should. If he was older, he should have been Anakin Skywalker. You know, ten years ago. Yeah. Because it was very emotional. You could see the conflict in him. You know, there was one one point actually when he was before 
And that was a nice reveal, too, and they did reveal that he was Han Solo's son, which I think was, people were thinking already, you know, that was one of the rumors that was out there. He was, yeah. him and Ray, we don't know Ray's background, but he was actually kind of praying before the helm of Darth Vader's grandfather, and he mentioned that he was apologizing because he was turned towards the light again. And he, he had to focus, which is a kind of a reversal from what we've seen of, of Jedi and Sith in the past. Um, or, or Jedi that turn into Sith. I mean, they turn to Sith, and they, they're folks, they're trying to stay in the light and, and avoid and not be tempted by the dark side. But in this case, you could see that he was, you know, almost, I don't know if you caught this guy, he was um, apologizing for having thoughts of the light side. Yeah, right, yeah. And not staying in the dark side. So that was a reversal. Definitely someone, again, who's conflicted, and well, I think will continue to be conflicted, one one character I'm very interested in is Grant Supreme Leader Smoke. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you what your thoughts were on that. I, you know, I don't know. I, that's that's going to be interesting. My first thought was Palpatine, honestly. I, I was wondering how they were going to do this, how they were going to show him. I, I was like, wow, he's pretty big, but of course that's a projection. Yeah, the whole uh, uh, very uh, nice power move there by projecting yourself like you know ten times the size of uh, of somebody else, but. You could see that scar on the top of his head. Also, something on the like the side of his mouth. You could see it was like kind of crushed in. Yeah. So I, I, the whole time I'm seeing him, I'm like, all right, who was hit on the top of the head? Who was hit on the top of the head? I I don't know. It'd be interesting to see the backstory, or maybe this is just somebody that came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, very likely it's just a reading too much into it. And it's just another Sith. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of, and this is kind of a reach, but there was. Um, this is going back to Darth Sidious's master, which I believe was Darth... Darth Plagueis? Darth Plagueis. Yeah, yeah. And what I've seen of Darth Plagueis, he kind of reminded me of Darth Plagueis, which would be a nice kind of full circle thing if that happened to be who it was in the long run. Yeah. Darth Plagueis. Just a brief, very brief overview of Darth Plagueis. Basically, he was Darth Sidious's master. And he was obsessed with, and this is mentioned also in Revenge of the Sith, so, yep. um, when uh, Palpatine is telling Anakin about the story. But he was obsessed with finding the secret to immortality. That was Darth Plagueis' whole thing, being immortal. And that's basically where Anakin came from, is that there was experiments, and that's how he was created, that's what they say at least, as a pure expression of the Force. He used the Force to become immortal. So, and it was said that Darth Plagueis was killed, but... Maybe not. Maybe this is around to be Darth Plagueis. Maybe it's Palpatine, the clone of Palpatine or something. Who knows? <laughs> or maybe it's somebody totally new. I, yeah. I so it's good. Uh, a lot of questions answered, but uh, a lot still remain, and that's good when you're setting up a trilogy, or, you know, at least uh, completing one-third of a trilogy. Yeah. My thought for the future is that Kylo Ren will be, as it was mentioned, that he's going to be trained as a, you know, a Sith, probably, at this point, because obviously it wasn't one already... He has force powers. I thought the coolest thing he did was, uh, which I've never seen a Jedi or Seth do, was he stopped the blaster bolt in midair. Oh, great effect there. Right, yeah, right in the beginning. I'm like, well, that's pretty impressive that he's able to use the force, which makes sense. I mean, sure. You know, uh, Poe was firing a blaster bolt and it stopped. It just stayed there until he let it go, which is pretty amazing. And maybe actually off the bat, think that this guy has some pretty serious powers that. But, you know, we haven't seen before. But we could see that, again, you, like you said, he was a, like a Sith poser almost. He's not fully trained, and I think that's expressed by his lightsaber also, being jagged. 
he's just somebody who was taken out and is an apprentice, and I'm sure he'll be trained for the next movie. <laughs> yeah, had, had enough potential that he was uh, worth salvaging. Now, did he lose any limbs or anything during that? I thought he lost his hand, which, again, is a, would be another parallel to the original trilogy. It, it, it certainly looked like it in the snow, but uh, yeah, that's something I'll have to look again. He was definitely getting hit. Oh, yeah, he, he got took a couple definite hits here and there. I think the greatest hit he took was when Chewie shot him after yeah. he killed Han. <laughs> and he took his bowcaster and just you know blew a part of, away from him. It's going to be very interesting to see what, what comes of that. I like the use of Anakin Sky, uh, Skywalker's lightsaber, which is still kicking around. Again, there's a backstory about how that was recovered again from Cloud City, I'm sure, somewhere. Uh, lightsaber effects are definitely different than before. I don't know if you noticed that, Scott. Ever. Yeah, it, well, Kylo's is supposed to be kind of ragged because it's something that he just made himself, you know? Yeah. Uh, Luke's lightsaber, which, you know, was being wielded by Finn for a majority of this movie, uh, looked a little different, obviously. The technology that Lucas used in the original trilogy wasn't that great. It almost looked like a flat blade yeah. at times, so I'm glad they fixed it. It was it was more on par with the prequel trilogy, uh, maybe the color was a little different, but it, we definitely knew what it was, and, and it was more of a stable blade, and I thought the effects were a little different from Kylo's. So. The sound was different, it kind of crackled more. See, yeah. It was definitely more CGI, which is good. I thought it was a good change. It wasn't anything negative at all. Um, even to the, the prequels, I thought it was an excellent update. One thing I did appreciate about the, the, the lightsaber fighting was it was more on par to the original series, mm-hmm. original trilogy, then the prequels. The prequels were over the top. I mean, because it was all Jedi and they really went fancy with... I mean, they were cool. I mean, I'm not saying that they weren't. I enjoyed some of the lightsaber fights, but this is more real. The lightsaber fights we saw in, in this movie, yep. especially between Rey and Kylo Ren, um, when Finn was using the lightsaber, this was more... Like clumsy and inexperienced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, what you saw from Luke... Darth Vader to a point in um, the original trilogy, so yeah. I thought it was kind of nice going back to that. I like that kind of fighting more than the flips and the spins and everything that, that the Jedi showed in um, prequels. So yeah, yeah, like Obi Wan and Darth Vader uh, when they fought, they were past their peak of abilities, and and these two in this movie were not yet reaching their full potential. So yeah, these uh, weren't the uh, optimal lightsaber duels like uh, Lucas had all through the, the prequel trilogy, but like you said, that's uh, kind of a good thing. It kind of harkens back to those that we already saw. Yeah, one more thing I'll mention, because I know we don't want to analyze the entire movie, but I, uh, before I forget, there was a scene when Rey found the lightsaber in uh, Maskinaw's castle, her basement, I guess you could say, found Luke's lightsaber and basically touched it and had the force visions, but that's the first inkling you got that she has, was force-sensitive, and it showed a bunch of... She heard almost like crying and screaming. Like, almost like it was calling to her. You hear that, too? Like chi- Almost like children were crying and screaming. Yeah, but then it, it flashed back to what I presume is her as a child. Yeah, exactly. I, my first thought, honestly, because I kind of knew where it was going when they, we heard that crying, in the, and that's what attracted her to the lightsaber. It goes calling to her. Yeah. Keeping in mind, and this is the first thing that came to my mind when I thought this, that this is the same lightsaber that was used to, to slaughter the younglings in the Jedi Temple. Uh Maybe that was part. Uh, that's the. That's what came. That's what came to my mind at least when I heard the the sounds and the screaming and the. Maybe it was just her as a child. But I kind of thought, uh oh, this is maybe this is imbued with the force of you know since it has obviously memories of this the users of this blade. That lightsaber has a lot of history 
And yeah, that's an interesting take. I didn't even think about that. It, it kind of goes back to because that was the same one that he used. That I mean, that, that's one the one constant throughout the entire three uh, series, the trilogies, is this lightsaber used by Anakin to as he became Darth Vader, used by Luke, and used by Rey now. So I don't know. That's that's just a thought that came to my head. Very interesting. All right. Well, that was our initial reaction. So uh, we'll 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 definitely discuss this movie at length a little later. So that was good. Okay, so there you have it. We were in a little bit of shock and pretty overwhelmed by what we just saw, but we really loved this movie. And for a more in-depth discussion, check out our next episode. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this bonus episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your own thoughts on The Force Awakens, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher, and we can now be found on TuneIn Radio and coming soon to Google Play, so look for us on those platforms. Well, we have been Sean and Scott, and this has been a special bonus episode of Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Farewell, Han. <laughs>